You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Guess who's back? Back again. Miguez is back. So tell your friends. What's up? I'm back, baby. It's crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Did you miss me? Even if you didn't, too bad. I'm back. James Mesh, the producer, the co host, the fantasy loser. Uh, because he drafted Rodrigo Blankenship in almost all of his leagues, and I drafted him the, in two. The dude, the dude got booted already. <laughs> I'm three and one. What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. You feel any different now? <sighs> no, <laughs> I, I really don't. <laughs> okay. Now, okay, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I, I'm I am now happily married. However, do I personally feel any different? No, I don't. I have a bulky ring on my finger. It probably feels weird. It's uh, that's that's very weird. That's very weird. Like the the skin where my ring sits is like irritated because you're not used to wearing. Nothing's jewelry. there, right? I've never worn. I don't. I don't like wearing jewelry either. So that that's been weird. Um, it's been weird referring to Caitlin as my wife instead of my fiance. But other than that, you know, and, and now I have somebody to file on my taxes. But other other than those things, no, it's not really different. Um, but no, man, it's good. I'm I'm happy. I'm glad to be back. There's a lot to recap. We're going to talk about the games from the weekend uh, that I didn't get to see much of. We'll talk about that. We'll preview this week's games. And, of course, we'll get you up to date on the latest headlines in the world of sports. At 4.30, Jay Walker will join us for Cajuns Corner. We're going to do it on a Wednesday this week due to the fact that the Cajuns are traveling. And uh, Jay will be a little occupied tomorrow. 5 o'clock, Preston Guy of TigerBay.com is going to join us to talk LSU Tigers. And then at 5.30, we're going to do Who Dat Wednesday with Brendan Ertle. But we're on about half an hour early, so here's the deal. From now until 4.30 for the first hour of today's show. James, do me a favor and and tell the folks how open the hotline is. Wide. It's wide open. 706-0111. We want to hear from you. Like multiple semis. Like the Grand Canyon wide. It's wide open. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Coming to you as the Houston Astros take down the Detroit Tigers for the seventh time this season. 2-1, to one, they sweep the regular season series seven games to none behind a gem from Christian Javier. Javier goes six complete, gives up no runs, strikes out eight. Ryan Presley comes in for his 28th save on 32 attempts. The Astros' runs 
were scored by on a solo shot by Kyle Tucker and a sacrifice fly to center field from Alex Bregman. And then the lone run by the Detroit Tigers, Javier Baez hitting a home run into left center. With the win, the Astros improved to 93-50, and while the Detroit Tigers fall to 54-89. and So James, walk me through the last couple of days, bud. How was your weekend? It was fine. It was it was good. Uh, on Saturday, my parents and their old college buddies from UL, they, their whole plan was to go to the game. But then they heard that it was potentially going to rain at some point. So they decided not to. So they, they kind of went back and forth between, do we want to go? Do we want to just stay here since it's on the NFL Network? They ultimately just stayed, and then when it came down to it, the weather did affect the game for sure. Yeah. I mean, God, you didn't get halftime, technically, because... Yeah, well, almost. You, you pretty much had an extended halftime. Well, you had two halftimes. You had a, an hour and three-minute lightning delay. I mean, that was brutal. Yeah. I saw a video, and the... um, So, UL makes recap videos of every game, and they had a shot of the locker room during the lightning delay. And it was a bunch of players just sitting there stretching, staring at the clock that told them how much time was left in the delay. Like they were itching to get back out on the field. A 63-minute lightning delay. That is brutal. So they came back out with, if I remember correctly, it was two minutes left in the first half. It, it was, I, I thought, I remember seeing 4.32 left. but Maybe, maybe I, that's I mean, what it was. It, I know it was definitely there, in the there second half of the there wasn't, second quarter. There wasn't much left in the second quarter. And then they did a three-minute TV timeout, basically, that counted as halftime. And you came right back out into the third quarter. Uh, and in that third quarter, I mean, the Cajuns just erupted at that point. 35 unanswered points to win the game 49-21. to Now, that was, that was a win that the Cajuns desperately, desperately needed after the way that they started that game because that was one of the most sluggish first halves I have seen from a Cajuns team in a long, long time. Oh, it was putrid. I, we were kind of going back and forth between watching that and that LSU game, but that LSU game was such a blood in the first quarter. It was like, oh yeah, uh, let's go watch Florida Kentucky. I mean, the LSU LSU made school history. They did scored the most points in program history in a single quarter. That is insane. We saw that, but as soon, once the second quarter hit. I think after they scored that first touchdown, we kind of were going back and forth at that point. Oh, you mean when it was forty-four to nothing? Yeah, yeah. I didn't. So I didn't see Garrett Nussmeyer throw a pick six. So much for that. So uh, much for that QB competition. A ninety-four-yard <laughs> peak pick six, might I add. And then one LSU fan who was on something that look, made his way onto the field. Look, props to that dude. Okay, I'm gonna say that now. If a guy was able to come out of the stands and just mosey on over to the 10-yard line before somebody said, hey, I don't think he's supposed to be on the field. Like, good for you. And then, and then he had the audacity when the cop reached for him, he slapped his hand away like, you ain't touching me. Back up. 
dude mosey on out there like he was the coach in a scrimmage. That was hilarious. So good for him because, I, and you know, I, I've always thought about this. You, you see guys, you know, come out of the stands and go out onto the field. They're always running, and that's how you that's how you get the attention. But he just kind of walks, so no one really noticed right. in their peripheral vision. He was moving what, so what slow. Do you, what, what do you think players say? Look at this dude. Like play, <laughs> players just looking over, like some dude just standing on, like. What are you doing? Like, what's going on? Why, why, are, why are you here? You're not supposed to be here, buddy. You got lost. Go, go back to your home, little buddy. Happy Gilmore. Go to your home. Anyways, he wanted a closer perspective of the game. Yeah, he kind of just sat there, had his hands on his hips, and was like, "This is cool. I like this." Yeah, I'm. Why I'm, don't Why do more people do this? Right, right. How come more people don't stand behind the play? Um, and then the Saints. All, all, I, all I'm going to say about the Saints is this. The Falcons are, are, are going to Falcon. That was a absolute thing of beauty. Absolute thing of beauty. The Saints were down 26-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter. And you ripped off 17 straight, including a 51-yard field goal from Will Lutz to put that thing in the bag. Not to mention, can't guard Mike. Told y'all that dude was back. He is back, and I warned you. Let's go to the hotline, 706-0111. T's calling. T, what's up? Oh, not a whole lot. Uh, Congratulations, my man. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Yes, and I, I wish y'all the very best. I appreciate and, uh, that. You got it. Um, about that guy, man, he got a set, huh? Man, he got a set <laughs> for sure, bro. Yeah, you're not I don't lying. Know if, I, if I could do that, <laughs> I I know I know I damn well couldn't do that. No, me either. But uh, anyway, if uh, if the spread on LSU and Mississippi State, isn't enough to get that team fired up to play this weekend? Well, I, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Um, y- you know, I- I'm going to be honest. I-, I kind of agree with the spread. I, I do too, but I'm um, just saying, that's got to be locker room material, man. And if that don't get them kids fired up at their own home, being underdogs, well, nothing can fire them up, I think. Yeah, no, I'm with you. That that's definitely bulletin board material and Brian Kelly and his coaching staff need to need to use that to their advantage, no question. Good deal. Hey, love y'all show. Keep up the good work. We'll Appreciate you, T. So yeah, LSU is, is is an underdog at Tiger Stadium Saturday night. Mississippi State is a two and a half point favorite in that game with an over under of fifty three and a half. James, you ready for this? Give me LSU plus two and a half and the over. Oh, yeah. Because the over is... It's 53 and a half. Yeah, 53 and a half. Give me the over all day long. That's fair. I mean, it was fifty. It was 53 exactly last time they played. Yeah. Because they won 28-25. But 
but in 2020 it was 43 44 34 so it was a total of 78 points i could the, i could this, i could see both of them going in into the 30s there's, these, there's these, a possibility these two offenses that it's going to be a 38 35 game it's going to be a 38 35 game so i'm going to take the tigers plus two and a half and i'm going to take the over in, in that one lsu squeaks out a win at home do you have any more that way you can make a parlay um you need a minimum of three legs Let's see the Cajuns. Oh, I'm talking about same game. Oh, same game. Um, let's see again. LSU plus two and a half. Give me the over. And whatever the amount of total rush attempts for Jane Daniels is. Sure. They just take the over. Sure, because he's going to run the ball more than they think he will. It, it it happens every time. Um, but that this is going to be. A, a real test to see where LSU is. I mean, the Florida State game should have been a test, but LSU came out so flat that you know you never really got that opportunity. This game, SEC opener at home against a good team that's found some success early on in the year. This is going to be the opportunity for Brian Kelly and his coaching staff to sit there and go, okay, this is what we need to work on. This is where we're lacking, so on and so forth. Because not only is this your conference opener, this is a division matchup. And right now, if you look at the SEC West, there are five teams that are 2-0. and And then you got two teams that are 1-1, and LSU and A&M. Which, by the way, what a bad loss for A&M. Wow. I mean, I'm not surprised. I figured App State could do it. But, man. And here's the crazy thing, James. I saw a statistic, and it said uh, $2.75 million. Now, that is how much money both Marshall and App State took from Notre Dame and A&M respectfully, respectively to go on the road and win. How's that for a Saturday in college football? Marshall made 1.25 to go into Notre Dame Stadium and whoop them. I mean, whoop them. And then App, I mean, App just owned them. Owned A&M. Scoreboard was much, scoreboard was much closer than the game actually was. App owned A&M. I saw the highlights of that game. App whipped them. And Boone, North Carolina went insane. I mean, setting couches on fire flipping cars over, like, rioting in the streets. Boone, North Carolina was electric. And now, you know how they got rewarded? College game day is going to be in Boone on Saturday. Only the second time a Sunbelt school will host college game day. The first one was Coastal Carolina back in 2020 when they played BYU. That's crazy to think about. Only the second time 
a Sunbelt school is hosted college game day. Here's my question. When are they coming to Lafayette, Louisiana? That is a good question, but when it comes to Sunbelt, that shows you need to stop sleeping on them. Thank you. Because you got Boone, you got App State doing that. Coastal, they're still relevant. They're still doing solid. You got Cajuns who, so far, they still have the longest winning streak. And yeah. then when it comes to, and then what's 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 their name? Marshall. And then with Marshall, I mean, and then you look at Troy from a few years ago. I keep bringing this back up with LSU, but. I mean, they had shocked LSU back in 2017? 2017, 2018, somewhere. So it's like... $950,000. So it's like, they keep doing this. It's like, no more... There, It feels like you can't sleep on them anymore. You can't sleep on the Sun Belt. No. They, you, they are starting you, you to be up there. You can't. There's a reason why they got all these other teams. That's why There's a reason why they keep expanding. And and I, I saw a parody video, uh, uh, and it was like SEC meeting post week two or something like that is that with uh like what's what's her name some ager well she it's something similar to what she does but it, it was it was somebody different and uh the guy was like we're the sec we don't lose to teams in conferences that are below us and then the camera pans over to the a&m guy and he's just like haha yeah you're, you're right hiding his face the whole time <laughs> like dude it's, it's so accurate that's such a bad so when I say a bad loss, it, App State's a good opponent. So it's not like they well, are, but when it comes to the levels, oh, and, you were you were the number six team in the country at home. You paid them a million and a half to come over, like that, and with the national media like kind of always putting down the Sun Belt, it, right. It's so much worse. Not only did they take your money, but they beat you too. They stole your money, beat your ass, and left. That's brutal. <laughs> Same time next year? That is absolutely brutal. But uh so, you know, looking at that and, and looking at apps matchups with North Carolina brings up a good question. And, and I've I've seen it on social media, you know, in multiple places. And uh it, it brings up a good conversation. In, in regards to the Cajuns, in order to get a P5 school, you know, like A&M, like North Carolina, you know, somebody like that, to come play a, a game at Cajun Field, would you play, so you know how you do home and homes? Would you be interested in doing a two-for-one where... So, say, for example, UL calls LSU and says, I'll go to Tiger Stadium twice. But then in the third trip, if you, you come, come to, to Cajun us. Field once. How would, the, how would the money work, though? Would, would LSU still pay them to come to Tiger Stadium, but then... You don't pay them at all to go to Cajun Field. You would pay them a smaller amount to come to Tiger Stadium, and then you wouldn't. You wouldn't pay them at right. all because you're the visiting team, and Correct. you'd be going to their field. Correct. That's interesting. It's an interesting proposal. So, 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 would a school like maybe even a Mississippi State, or you know, 
uh, Auburn or a Vandy or, or somebody, you know, a, a smaller SEC program or even, you know, a Big 12 or some would somebody be interested in doing a two for one? Because you you know from a from a fan standpoint, you bring a P5 team to Cajun Field, that place is going to be packed. You're not avoiding that place is going to be packed. And as many as there are Cajun fans in Lafayette, there's just as many right. of LSU fans. Right. So th- they're going to go to the game. It's going to be like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't have to go to Baton Rouge? Heck yeah. Yeah, no, no, no question about it. That would be, uh, that'd be an interesting thing to look at as, as we go forward. Guys, head over to Acadiana Bar and Grill at 327 Iberia Street in Youngsville this Saturday to hang out with the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Our own Hannah Five Names will be there from noon to one, giving away tickets for both Raging Cajuns football and LSU football. Swing by the register, hang out with Hannah, spin the prize wheel, and you could score a pair of tickets to either a Raging Cajuns game or an LSU game. This Saturday from noon to one at Acadiana Bar and Grill. Take a time out. When we return, we'll wrap up this first half hour, and we'll get you set for the next two hours of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Looking at some picks to make in the world of football this weekend. So, one thing that's jumping off the page at me, and this might ruffle some feathers a little bit. The Cajuns are a 13-point favorite at Rice. I don't like that at all. At all. I think if you see any resemblance of the way that the Cajuns played this past Saturday, that game could stay pretty close. I don't know that I'd bet on that one, but that line's tricky. Uh, Texas, UTSA, uh, Texas minus 13, please. That's, That's easy. I mean, Texas minus 13... All day long on that one. Georgia Southern UAB. Georgia Southern's a 13-point dog. Georgia Southern plus 13. Looking at a couple more. Coastal Carolina and Buffalo. 14-point spread in favor of the Chanticleers. That's tricky. That one's tricky. Looking at some NFL bets. Let's see. Tampa, New Orleans. New Orleans is a three-point underdog. James, this is preposterous. How are the Saints a three-point underdog at home when the Saints have owned Brady? They've owned him. I've been trying to figure out how this sheet works, but I think I've gotten it now. The Saints have owned Brady in the regular season. How are they not the favorite? Because Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are the media darling. And then the Saints struggled for the first three quarters against the Falcons. And the Buccaneers didn't struggle against Dallas? They held a quote-unquote high-powered offense to three points. So 
I'm not while, saying I, I'm not while saying not I, scoring anything themselves. I'm not I'm not saying I agree. I'm just telling you how the was, thought process. It is. was 12 to three at halftime, and all 15 points came via the field goal. Nobody even crossed the goal line in the first half. And the only reason Mike Evans scored was because of a push off. But thank you. Uh, but for my bets, I'll take LSU plus three. The over for the Saints game. The under for Cleveland and the Jets. And I need one more, right? Yeah. We needed one more. Uh, can you can, uh, give me... Jesus, these suck. Um, give me the under on Green Bay Chicago. There you go. The under on Green Bay Chicago. It's forty one. I Oh there it is, yeah. Yeah. Forty one kind of seems low, but at the same time. Both offenses are sh- both offenses are struggling right now. And so. then and then if you wanted one more just for the fun, uh <laughs> give me Buffalo minus ten. Against Over Tennessee. Tennessee. <laughs> oh man. Buffalo. Wow, they're good. I mean, they are next level good. That is that was scary what they did to the Rams in week one. And and poor Joe Burrow. We thought his his offensive line was gonna be so much better. And nope. Not even not even a little bit. That man got sacked seven times and threw four picks and yet still put them in a position to win the game. Oof. So yeah, that's my that's my picks. Um, if that's the case, are you? I'm curious. Now with a Dak injury, are you taking uh, minus seven for Cincinnati? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Oh, Hot Rod just became a free agent. He cleared the waivers. Dallas went from a 12 win team to an eight win team. It was funny because I was watching somebody last night. And he said, "With this Dak Prescott injury, it doesn't matter." Who they sign or trade for? I mean, who said they're they're not winning more than seven games? Who's their quarterback now? Cooper Rush. Currently, yes. Oh, oh, you're kidding me. I'm not. So Zeke Elliott's going to run the ball thirty times a game, and then be out for the season by week five. Probably rush it about fifteen times, and then the rest of the way it'll just be uh, Tony Pollard. Since at this point they're well, just splitting carries. That's fair, but oh man. That is a brutal, brutal scenario. So much for the uh, Dalton Schultz fans or Dalton Schultz, Dalton Schultz owners. They they took him kind of early because they ex- anticipated. I think I have him in one of my leagues. I think so too because I think I told to, you to draft him. <laughs> you did tell me to draft him. It, it's your fault. Oh yeah. So now I need a new tight end. It's my yeah. Thank you, okay. thank you, James. We'll be back. Two more hours of crunch time with Miguez and Mesh, so don't go anywhere. This is the game. It's 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Rocking and rolling here on a Wednesday afternoon. It's crunch time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here, James Mesh in his cubicle of darkness. So, first, let's go to the hotline and then we'll get to the fantasy football conversation. 706 0111. Mr. Jamie Green, what's going on, bud? Hey, good afternoon, Mr. Miguez. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. You're still in that honeymoon state, man. Congratulations. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Oh, no problem. Look, I wasn't I wasn't dumb enough to get married during football season, but it was during uh, playoff hockey. So, you know, I kind of got the short end of the stick from that fandom. Uh, but I do have a couple of things real quick. I just want to run a couple things by you. Number one, uh, Usually, if schools are, are doing uh, one-and-ones or two-and-ones, as the case may be, don't they usually not pay the smaller school because they say, oh, us coming to your stadium is going to bring in that extra revenue? Isn't that kind of the, the approach they take? Um, number two, uh, with Schultz, maybe the injury isn't a bad thing for him because they're going to have to pass eventually, and I don't know any – backup quarterback that's going to be trying to do deep routes so a short tight end option might be good and finally who do you think Mets or Braves because the Braves are coming in quick and that kind of scares me a little bit for the NL so uh, I just kind of want to run those things by you see what you thought so to to your first point yeah that's usually how it would go um every now and again you'll you'll see a big school still throw you know the smaller school a bone with, with, with a small amount of money, but but usually there would be no money involved. Um, to your second point, I agree with that. Uh, the the Dak Prescott injury might be a good thing for Dalton Schultz. We'll, we'll we'll see. And then the third thing, man, the Braves, in my opinion, are the scariest team in all of baseball. They're the scariest team in all of baseball. I can, I can definitely get behind that between them and the Seattle Mariners, man. Yeah, they are they are hot at the right time. They're the defending champs, so they've got the chip on their shoulder from being hunted. And they, if if it's another Braves Astros World Series matchup, that scares the you know what out of me. I'm with you, man. Well, look, thanks for taking my call, and uh, again, congratulations, best of luck, and I'll talk to you guys later. Appreciate you, Jamie. All right, so fantasy football. I've I've got a conundrum. I drafted my guy Elijah Mitchell. He had an okay week in week one. You also then traded for him by giving up Swift in another league. Hey, hey, hey! And and something that's the, that's the one league that I have him in. And no, you have him in two. You have him in Arley too. You drafted him. In our not for the easy. Oh, invented, you're right. And then, but I then traded you with, traded with Brendan, who yeah, we're going to have on at five thirty for who that Wednesday. Correct. You traded DeAndre so Swift and weeks. something else. DeAndre Swift and um, I don't remember, but I it got. Doesn't matter, but you got. Fleeced. I got Drake London and Elijah Mitchell. You got fleeced. Well, in hindsight, yeah. Well, even before then, I no. told you it was bad. No, it was fine. Oh, Elijah Mitchell, four it points. Was, it was oh, fine. Yay. Let's go. He sprained his MCL in the first quarter. What do you want him to do? They're easily replaceable. So now he's out eight weeks. Um, and so now 
people are, are trying to take advantage of me because I need a running back, and I don't find that to be very cool. <laughs> hey, man. That's a bad trade offer. It's not the worst, but... Oh, it, oh, it's bad. It's not the worst, but you could use a running back. So, shout out to Micah if he's listening. All love, but honestly, I'd give you James Robinson and Travis Kelsey for Dawson Knox and Aaron Jones. Come on. Come on. Aaron Jones has underperformed the last two years anyway. Dawson Knox is... Yeah, but they're going to be looking more to give him the ball since you don't have Devontae on the outside. Dawson Knox is an okay tight end. He's he's in the upper echelon of, of, of tight ends. James Robinson, the jury's still out on him. He had a great week, but how long can that continue? Especially if there's a healthy Travis Etienne. But we're talking about Travis Kelsey. The tight end god. The man had 23 points on Sunday. Justin Jefferson at 39. Oh, I know. Oh, I had him in one of my leagues. It was so nice. <laughs> it was so nice. You're welcome. <laughs> and, and you know what's funny? You told me to draft Justin Jefferson in that league, right? Yes. So I had the third pick. Yeah. Christian McCaffrey was still available. Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I, I went with Jefferson. Yeah, I but, know. But McCaffrey was still available because Jonathan Taylor went one, and then I think somebody took Derrick Henry number two. I'm no, I'm no genius, but every once in a while, I, I know a little thing or two about fantasy. Oh, Justin Jefferson, that guy, he is, he is something else. Seven zero six zero one one one. If you want to get in on the game hotline on this Wednesday afternoon. Throughout the show today, again, we'll take your calls on the hotline 430. Jay Walker's joining us for Cajun's Corner. At 5 o'clock, Preston Guy will join us from TigerBait.com to talk LSU. And then at 530, Brendan Ertle will join us for Who Dat Wednesday. Let's go back to the hotline now. Randy's chiming in. Randy, what's up? Well, good afternoon. Uh, you guys are talking about fantasy football. I wanted to let y'all know I, I busted a 169 this week. Um I, I drafted second, and I took Travis Kelsey, and then I got Pat Mahomes coming right back up the other way. Um, my strategy is like pretty dra- simple. I like There's your draft one style. tight end that catches at that rate, and uh, I got him and his quarterback. Yeah, I, I like your draft style. I, I did the same thing in one of my leagues. Well, I tell you what, it's kicking some butt. But it, even more importantly, I wanted to talk to you guys about the, the history that's being made tonight. There's not enough being made about it, but – Yachty and Wayno are going to be the all-time battery tonight uh, in playing Milwaukee and St. Louis. And it's the kind of thing that we will probably never, ever see again. I'm already, you know, I'm 55, and I'm, I'm not old enough to remember freehand. And uh, I think it was Lollick. Uh, I don't think we're ever going to see this again. First of all, two guys playing on the same team that long, playing at a level where they're actually getting to start for that long, and playing together. You yeah. know, um, this is a pretty amazing thing that's happening tonight in St. Louis. Yeah, I mean the 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 way that both Yachty and Pohals have been able to to keep their you know their bodies healthy enough to to play at a high level for so long. I mean, God, Albert Pohals has struck the fountain of youth over the last couple of months. No. Yeah, I mean he's one of the hottest hitters in the National League. The Cardinals are the winningest team in in the majors since the All Star break, and. uh 
But Adam Wainwright, you know, he if you look at his numbers, they don't look that great. I think he's like 10 and 9. His ERA is 3.35 or something like that. But he's had some fantastic games. And when his curveball is going 12 to 6, he's unhittable. Uh, and Yachty and Wayne are already the winningest battery of all time. Now they're going to be the all-time starting battery and probably never, ever give that up. Yeah, no. I, I, and, and even even to that point, the, the things that Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, like you said, that battery have been able to do together, is uh, it, it really is unprecedented. Yeah, they, they've been to three World Series together. This could be their fourth. Uh, you say the Braves are scary. Well, again, the Cardinals have the, the best record since the All-Star break, and uh, they've got a triple crown, a guy going for the triple crown. They've got pool holes running for 700, and then probably the number two in MVP votes in uh, Arenado right behind them. Yeah. That's true. All right. Well, y'all have a great day. You too, man. Appreciate you. My only thing with the Cardinals, as impressive as they have been, is can they win a series against, you know, the Braves or the Dodgers? You know, if you if you if the playoffs started today, you would play in the wild card against the Padres. So say you beat the Padres in the wild card game, well then you got to go play a five game series with the Met with the Mets. Can you beat them? And if you do that and you make it to the NLCS, you're gonna have to play the winner of either the Phillies or the Braves and the Dodgers. I mean, the Dodgers are on pace right now to have a franchise record in wins. I like the Cardinals, and I think that they have been red hot since the All-Star break. Albert Pujols is closing in on 700. Adam Wainwright's been consistent. Yadier Molina's still, you know, doing some fantastic things behind the plate. But can they win a series against the Mets or the Dodgers or even the Braves down the stretch in October. That's my concern. You see, that's my concern for the Astros, as good as they've been. If they get in an ALDS matchup with the Tampa Bay Rays, can they take three out of five? I'd like to confidently say yes. I think they can. But how confident am I in that? We'll see. An ALCS matchup with the Yankees or the Mariners or the Guardians. Do you come out of that? I don't know. There's interesting matchups to watch as we come down the stretch of, of this postseason because here's the thing. You know, we, we talk about the, the Astros and how good they've been, and don't get me wrong, they've been they've been fantastic. And then the Yankees, you know, whether they've been struggling lately or not, they're still the Yankees. Aaron Judge is still at 57 homers and is by and large going to be the MVP of the American League. But if you look at the American League standings with you got 
16 games to go? 18, 20 games to go? You have 20 games left. The Blue Jays are only 12 and a half back. They're only six back of the Yankees. A lot can happen in 20 games. The Yankees might not coast into that bye as the two seed, which, I mean, if that's the case, things will get real interesting there very, very quickly. I mean, the Bra- the Blue Jays right now, if you look at the wild card standings, they have a half-game spot on the wild card, and then the Rays and Mariners are deadlocked for that second wild card. But then after that, I mean, the Orioles are only five games back. The White Sox are only six and a half back. The Twins are eight and a half back. There's still a lot of baseball to be played. The only two teams in the American League that are eliminated right now are the A's and the Tigers, and you got three teams eliminated in the National League with the Reds, Pirates, and Nationals. God, the Nationals, 49 and 93. They're going to lose 100 games. That is atrocious. I remember those days. It wasn't that long ago that the Astros were losing 100 games a year. So uh, no, no question about that. Tune in tonight for the debut of the McNeese Coaches Show presented by Maplewood Burgers, Line A Bed out of Westlake and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. The Coaches Show will be hosted by Jim Gazzolo, once again broadcasting live from Maplewood Burgers at 4453 Nelson Road from 6 to 7 right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. I heard from a from a source that our very own Raymond Parsh the third will be there tonight with the 1037 the game prize wheel. So here's what you could win if you go to Maplewood Burgers and, and hang out with RP3. McNeese tickets, Astros tickets, tickets to the Angola Prison Rodeo, koozies, koozies, t-shirts. Maybe, if he's in a good enough mood, RP3 might take a selfie with you. I mean, there's a lot of things that could go down tonight in Lake Charles. That's the best prize you could get. That's going to be worth money someday, let me tell you. The big, bald, beautiful one. Oh, man. We'll take a timeout right here when we return more of your phone calls. Plus, we have audio from... LSU head coach Brian Kelly will do that and more right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back. It's crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. 21 after the hour here on a Wednesday afternoon. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Brian Kelly was in a much happier mood at the weekly press conference this week after their 65-17 to win over Southern. He even uh, decided to, to break out a $10 bill whenever he walked in late. And those of you that know, you know. And that's just funny. Anyways, Brian Kelly talked about... He looked ahead a little bit to the Saturday's Mississippi State game and was asked the question, will getting a win this Saturday up the confidence meter? You know, every game that they play, our guys, is is going to be an opportunity for growth. And you want that growth to happen through success because success obviously breeds confidence. And confidence 
then is an accelerator in, in what you're doing, right? Everybody can move forward. Uh, everybody tends to question themselves uh, if, if the outcomes aren't right. So yes to your question, but we're not going into the game you know, looking at it from that perspective. Really, I'm going into this game with the challenge of how we prepare differently this week. We have to have a better week of preparation than we did last week because the competition is keener and better. We have to get our guys to elevate that preparation. That's what I'll be looking for. And if we get that, we'll play much better and the outcome will probably be where we need it to be. And Jaden Daniels was just absolutely phenomenal in this second game against the Jaguars of Southern. I mean, it, it, it seemed like Jane Daniels was only in there for a quarter, maybe two. He was only in there for a quarter. <laughs> I mean, LSU, they were, again, they were up 37 to nothing at the end of the, at the end of the first quarter, scoring a school record in first quarter points again with with 37 and and so I mean it got to a point where Jaden Daniels really wasn't needed here's Brian Kelly on his quarterback well I think you start with efficiency with with Daniels his ability to keep eight drives alive consecutively and turn them into touchdowns I think that's a great place to start so you know I think you know, there's still growth there, and he would tell you that if he was standing here. There's there's still growth and recognition, but he's so coachable. I think I mentioned this the last time we talked about him, is his demeanor when he comes to the sideline, extremely coachable, uh, taking in information, uh, talking to the box, talking to me on the sideline where you can get him information and you can pick that up and, and move on to the next series. So I like that. Uh, about him look here's a guy with three years of starting experience and you can sense and feel that when he comes to the sideline that you can have that kind of dialogue look I, I think we've all seen his ability to throw it and he was confronted with opportunities on Saturday where he could have taken off but for example the touchdown to Besh right where he gets to the line of scrimmage and finds an open receiver and lets the ball go if we can continue to see that um, he, he becomes very difficult to, to contain once again, 65-17 to 17 for the Tigers. 37 points in the first quarter, 14 in the second. This offense is kind of, you know, and, and again, you can only take the, the game with Southern with a grain of salt. But the offense seems like it may have worked out some kinks, which, you know, is, is good timing with, with Mississippi State coming to Tiger Stadium this weekend. But now they're going to bring in a, a, a beast in that three-three-five defense that Mississippi State loves to run. And uh, that could present some challenges for an offense. Yeah, it's, it's really about, you know, how the – and again, I'm just using words here, so don't take it too – uh, literal, but how the, the birds line up, right? I mean, it's a three-three-five defense, but they can move people around. So it's, it's recognition of where those overloads come from and where those pressures, how you slide the front, how do we recognize, you know, who are the five to block in the run game. And, and the three-three-five presents some of those problems. And, you know, we'll have to do a great job of, of making it a little bit simpler. 
you know, we think that a tight end helps in this situation where you can pick up an extra blocker in those situations to clean some things up. But I've gone against the three-three-five on many occasions, and it does present some unique challenges. It's very good against, you know, a, a spread offense. Sometimes you, you look to do some other things against it as well. And then lastly, week three marks the return of Tigers' projected starting running back in John Emery Jr., and here is Brian Kelly discussing what it'll be like to have the former Destrahan product back in the backfield. Yeah, we're excited about getting John back, certainly, and, and I'm excited for him. You know, it's been a long run for John in terms of getting a chance to, you know, get out and, and, and play for LSU. He's worked hard to get back into this position, and now he gets an opportunity. Now, let's let's be careful now. he's He's been off for a while, you know, to put a lot of expectations on him in the first game. We certainly can't do that. You know, we've got other backs that have done really well, but he will be part of the mix. And make no mistake about it, we've seen his capabilities in camp. We've kept him active within our rotation, so he's ready to play. Uh, and we did that with, you know, obviously our, our mind eyes toward the SEC competition coming up. So we're excited to get him back. Take a look at our poll question of the day. Are you happy that I'm back? So far, 16.7% of you said, heck yeah, brother. 33% of you said, eh. And 50% of you said, you're back already? Wow, I'm feeling the love over here, guys. I, I I appreciate that. James, you missed me, right? I did. No, you didn't. I did. Don't you lie. I did. Don't you dare lie. You want me to lie to you? You you were you were being projected to thousands of people throughout Acadia. Don't you lie. Do you want me to? Do you want me to lie? No. Then I miss you. Oh, that's sweet, buddy. Thank you. That's that's it took so. You, it took you a lot of process. It, it did. It did. I was like, wait a second, where's he going with this? But no. So, but going back to the to the LSU thing, James, on, on the surface, what are your thoughts with this game Saturday, their SEC opener against a pretty good Mississippi State team? It's gonna be a real test. I mean, we're gonna have to see. You looked out of sorts against Florida State. You looked better once you went up-tempo. You really had, I don't even know if you would consider a speed bump in Southern. So, when it comes down to it, how are you going to look? Because this is a real challenge. Mississippi State, there's a reason why they're favored, even though you are at home at Tiger Stadium. So, how are you going to respond to it? Like you had talked before, this is chalkboard, this is bulletin board, this is whatever you want to call it material for the Tigers and prove to them prove to themselves and prove to the national media and even the local media. Hey, look, I, I know we had a I know we had a hookup against Florida State, but we bounced back against Southern. That's no compliment. But here's why you shouldn't sleep on us anymore, and here's why we are gonna have a good season. You need to prove that this Saturday at Tiger Stadium against the Bulldogs, even though you are underdogs in this game. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Will Rogers, the the quarterback for Mississippi State. He's leading he's leading the nation. So he's seventy seven for ninety eight, which is freaky efficient. For seven hundred and sixty three yards. And nine total touchdowns or nine passing nine passing touchdowns. And only two interceptions. 
So he's throwing a pick a game. Yeah, and it's but so but in at, that time he throws either four or five touchdowns. So at this rate, his touchdown interception ratio, at this rate, he's looking at fifty five touchdowns to twelve interceptions on the year. That's filthy. It's really good. That is insane. That's Joe Burrow national championship numbers. It's, clo- it's close to it. I don't think Burrow had that many picks, but no Burrow. You're you're up there now. You, now you got me looking at it. Yards wise and touchdowns wise, you're up there. That that's inching very close to Joe Burrow numbers, um, which is you know absolutely impressive. So interested to see how LSU's defensive secondary will be able to combat, you know the the Will Rogers scenario. Uh, will the Tigers get to play seven banks this weekend? He has yet to dress in pads for the Tigers. So do do you finally see him, you know, step out on the field? Jarek Bernard Converse needs to take another step forward. Colby Richardson still needs to take that next step forward. Makai Garner, the former Cajun, still looking a little, you know, a little suspect out there. Joe's 2019 stats were 76% completion percentage. Okay. Through 60 touchdowns uh-huh. and six interceptions. So only six interceptions. Yeah. See, that's insane. So he, he, he threw five more touchdowns and six less picks that based, is, off, based off of how the production would be if it right. comes down to with Will Rogers. That's insane. 60 to six. So for every interception, he had 10 touchdown passes. Yeah. 10, cool. 10 to one ratio. His passer rating was 202. That is gross. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Oh, man. All right, so Mississippi State coming to Tiger Stadium this Saturday, and uh, y- your boy, your boy's going to be there. I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of excited. I- I've been to many LSU games as a fan at Tiger Stadium. This will be the first one besides the spring game that I get to cover as a member of the media, and that'll be a uh, that'll be an interesting experience. No, no question about it. LSU kicking off against Mississippi State at 5 o'clock with kickoff being on the four-letter network. LSU plus 2.5 with the over-under of 53.5. We'll, we'll talk about it quickly because there's not much conversation to be had. If there was any quarterback controversy still left in Baton Rouge, uh, there there is none no more. Uh, Garrett Nussmeyer? Not that guy. He's not that guy. And I knew all along that he wasn't that guy. That's why I said all along that I thought it should be Jaden Daniels. I mean, Jaden Daniels' stats through three games, 36 of, two games, 36 of 46, 346 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. Garrett Nussmeyer played the second half of the Southern game, 13 of 23, 183 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions, including... Well, I'll take that back. He did have one touchdown. He did have one touchdown. It was a 94-yard pick six going the other direction against Southern. That's bad. That is bad. Yikes. Anyways, time is running out. 
for you to score tickets to see the Houston Astros live in person. Register in the Game Rewards Club to win four tickets to see Houston take on the Tampa Bay Rays on Saturday, October 1st. And we'll throw in a tour of Minute Maid Park and hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. This is the last Astros weekend giveaway of the regular season. And Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston Downtown, and the game at Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. We'll take a timeout here when we return here on Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh. The longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker joins us for Cajuns Corner as they take a short three-and-a-half-hour drive down I-10 West to Houston to take on the Owls of Rice. We'll do that next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Going deep downfield, he's got a receiver, it's caught! Touchdown, Louisiana! Can't get enough of the vermilion and white? Then you're in luck. Here is the Cajuns Corner with the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Jay Walker, welcome into the Thunderdome. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing fine. Glad to glad to see you made it through the weekend. Yeah, I made it through the weekend okay. Thanks for asking. Um, good, good. Glad to hear it. So let's look at the Cajuns game over Eastern Michigan, 49-21. to The Cajuns score 35 unanswered late to, to pull that game away. You know, Cajuns started out very sluggish in, in that first half, and then you got hit with the one-hour lightning delay, and they came out a different team. Do you, do you see that lightning delay kind of as a blessing in disguise for the coaches to make some adjustments? Well, it gave them a little bit more time than they normally have during halftime. Halftime's normally 20 minutes. And they had to, you know, not counting the the warm up time uh, going back on the field. They had a little over an hour, so it gave them a little bit more time. And you know, Mike talked about how there was no panic in the locker room. There was no finger pointing. They were just, you know, determined to come out and play better. And he liked what he saw from his team at halftime. And um, you know, they they came out. They played better football. I mean, they had. 100 yards and penalties for the game, and almost all of that came in the first half. So they they quit with the penalties. They uh, they got five takeaways on defense, and uh, I think that they just they I think they just wore Eastern Michigan down. And by late in the third quarter, I, I don't I, I don't think I don't think the Eagles wanted anymore. Looking at the quarterback play for the Cajuns, both quarterbacks played pretty well in, in this game. You know, just kind of talk about the, the performance of each of those guys. They were both really good. Um, you know, Ben was almost perfect. Um, you know, Chandler was was really good. His completion percentage doesn't look that great, but he had he had three drops, and um, and it came. You know, it, all of that came at a time when the when the team wasn't playing quite as well. Uh, but I thought they were both outstanding. Uh, you know, between the two of them, they throw five touchdown passes. Uh, Chandler gets three of them. I. I, I got I got nothing to say about the quarterbacks except they were really really good. And then flipping over to the defensive side, how about KC Osai? You know, career high in tackles, being named the Louisiana Sports Writers Association Defensive Player of the Week. Talk about you know his growth as a Cajun and how he was able to contribute Saturday night. You know, it's interesting. Before the season started, we talked about the defense and how you felt like you had good depth in the line, good depth in the secondary, and then questionable depth at linebacker. And, you know, one of the guys that that I think was a a question mark for a lot of fans because they really didn't know much about him 
was Casey Osai. Now, he played a lot on special teams last year. Uh, and the reason he did is because, you know, the coaching staff said, look, this kid can play. And, um, you know, Mike, Mike was not surprised uh, by KC's performance. And, you know, I, I don't know that I share that because I didn't know very much about KC. And, and for him to go out and do the things that he did, um, you know, I, I wasn't shocked because he's on the depth chart for a reason, but I don't think I was expecting it. A lot of people don't know about KC, but a lot of people know about KC's older brother who dominated at Texas. Yeah. So uh, another thing that I noticed, you know, in, in looking back at the game, is that the Cajuns were able to air the ball out a little bit more Saturday night, scoring two touchdowns on, on some pretty long pass plays. Talk about, you know, that aspect of the offense. It, it's been a little while since you, you've seen some deep ball touchdowns out of this offense. Well, I, I think that one of the things that, that we talked about before the game where the Cajuns had an advantage was going to be in team speed. Um, they, were, they were a lot quicker uh, than Eastern Michigan. And, and when you have that, you can go ahead and stretch the field a little bit. And, and you know what? I mean, Jefferson and Stevens, if you get the ball near them, they're going to catch it. I mean, they're both really good, and they can both run a little bit. Uh, and they both got really good size. And so it was really a bad matchup for Eastern Michigan when when uh, when those guys started to get loose. Chatting with Jay Walker, the voice of the Cajuns, here on Crunch Time. You know, looking ahead to you th- this week, Rice, not really a high-level opponent coming out of Conference USA. They've struggled over the last couple of years. Got a, got a big win over McNeese on, on Saturday. But, you know, I, I say they're not a high-level opponent, but, Jay, they are a team – that, that can catch you if you slip up? You know, what can you tell us about the Owls? Hard to, hard to make any judgments based on statistics because they turned it over five times in the game against Southern Cal. And, in fact, uh, Southern Cal had three pick sixes in that game. And before you know it, it's 66-14. to 14. You know, conversely, uh, Rice gets five takeaways against McNeese, and so they wind up beating the tar out of them. So they haven't played anybody that looks like them yet. So it's it's really hard to make any judgments based on stuff like that. Now, you know, Mike says that they're better than the first two opponents the Cajuns have had. I I believe that. I I think he's probably right. Um, I still think there's a reason why the Cajuns are favored, but but I do think that this team is going to pose a couple of challenges. They got a guy in the defensive line and I don't have my spotting chart in front of me, but his number is 91. Um, and he's, he's a guy who's already started to wreak havoc in the backfield of opponents. And, um, he's going to have to be one of those guys that they circle ahead of time, uh, to keep him from, from making big plays, keep him off the quarterbacks and keep him from uh, making a dent, uh, in the running game. I, I, I don't know about Rice's offense, to be honest with you. They haven't run the football all that great so far. Um, McMahon, their quarterback, had some nice success against McNeese, but he also threw three picks against USC. So, you know, I, I guess we'll see is what I'm saying. But I do think this team's got a little bit more speed and a little bit more talent than Eastern Michigan. Yeah, that, that defensive end you mentioned, number 91, is Ikenna Inekwu. He's 6'4", 269-pound redshirt junior. He's on a lot of NFL teams' radars. He's uh, 
he, he he's a guy who's got a quick first step and can get around a lot of offensive linemen. No, he's good. He's good. They're going to have to be very aware of where he is all the time. So to to that point, you know, we we talked about the the size that that Rice has in the trenches. How does Louisiana, you know, kind of combat that, uh, whether it be offensively or defensively? Well, you got to have a plan. Okay, you, you you know, one of the things that that happened in the in the first half the other night, and Mike talked about it. The, the the offensive line lost their assignments a little bit, and um, they're they're going to have to. Uh, and they corrected that in the second half. I think they're going to need to do that, like from from the get go uh, on Saturday. Um, you know, I I don't know that that Rice's offensive line, you know, is really going to go out and match up great against the Cajuns' defense. Um, you know, Eastern Michigan was a very big team. They were able to push the Cajuns around early when they were fresh. I don't know that Rice is going to be able to do that. Um, you know, I'm. I what I want to see, Matt, is I want to see the Cajuns come out and have a dominant game defensively, and I think they can do that against this Rice team. A couple more for you, Jay. Uh, the nation's longest win streak is now at fifteen. You've seen it before, you know, when when streaks start to, you know, maybe hinder teams a little bit because of the pressure that they they kind of start to, to cast over a program. How much of a factor does that streak become as it as it continues to grow? In my opinion, not. I, I think this team has done a very good job of staying focused throughout this streak. Uh, I think that uh, the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, I'm really not that concerned about it. You know, uh, I don't think this team is walking around going, hey, we just, we've won 15 in a row. I, I don't think they're doing that. And so I'm really not that concerned uh, with, with the Cajuns, you know, maybe taking this winning streak for granted. I, I just don't see it happening. And lastly, talk to me about the Sun Belt's success over the weekend. I mean, Marshall goes to South Bend and takes down Notre Dame. App State takes down A&M. Georgia Southern takes down Nebraska and fires Scott Frost. I mean, it was a wild weekend in the Sun Belt Conference. It was. And, you know, you know what's happening because of those three games? Nobody's paying attention to what South Alabama did. You know, they were underdogs at Central Michigan and went out and put a whooping on the Chippewas. And that was that's a very impressive win to me. And... You know, South Alabama now, they go to UCLA, so they got a chance to go get them a, a, a Pac-12 skin on the wall. South Alabama, and I, I've been saying this for three years now, the only thing standing between South Alabama and a bunch of wins is a quarterback, and they've got one now. So, you know, I've got my eye on the Jaguars. I now think they are the biggest threat to the Cajuns as far as the Western Division is concerned. I am not going to be shocked if they go out to the Rose Bowl and win on Saturday. I've been saying that since Carter Bradley stepped foot in Mobile. South Alabama scares the you-know-what out of me in terms of a West Division championship. Yeah, they're going to be, and, and you know, and, and they're the second game on the schedule. You know, you've got, you've got ULM next week and then, and then South. And look, they're good. Yeah, I'm not saying the Cajuns can't beat them, okay? I mean, I, I believe the Cajuns can, but 
that's a good football team, and and I um, I'm going to be very interested to see what they're able to do out in L.A. this weekend. Jay Walker, the voice of the Cajuns, he and the Cajuns will travel to Houston, Texas to take on the Rice Owls this Saturday with a 6.30 kickoff. Jay, appreciate you as always. Safe travels to Houston. We'll talk next week, my friend. Thanks for having me on. Go Cajuns. Tune in next week for another edition of Cajuns Corner here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. One of the things I love about betting on the NFL is that I'm always finding new players and game props that I like. And what's cool about FanDuel Sportsbook is you can combine these props and other bets from the same game to score an even bigger payout. It's perfect for Sunday's game. My same game parlay for Sunday's game against the Saints and Buccaneers includes me taking the Saints spread at plus three, the over on 44 and a half points scored, and two and a half total touchdowns for the Saints. I'm taking the over on that one as well. Same game parlays are just one of the reasons why I bet with FanDuel. The registering, the depositing, and finding your bets are always fast, and when you win, FanDuel will pay you your winnings even faster. There's no better feeling than nailing a same game parlay bet. So lock in your bet today on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get up to $1,000 back in free bets if your first bet doesn't win with promo code KLWB. That's promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions do apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Trey Lance is listed as a quarterback to start this weekend. That's intriguing because he was bad on Sunday, like really bad. Uh, QBs to sit, Jameis. And then you ready for this one? This one's a good one. Who's who's the bust in, in terms of quarterbacks for the week? Tom Brady. Baker. Baker, yeah. Baker feels like one of them. Yeah, uh, we were we were both dead wrong on on Baker in week one. That was yikes. That was uh, that was rough to uh, to say the least. That was rough. In the five o'clock hour, we're going to be joined by Preston Guy from TigerBait.com. We'll recap the game against Southern and get you set for the SEC opener on Saturday against Mississippi State. At 5.30, we're going to chat with Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles for Who Dat Wednesday. And, of course, in between, we'll do some audio of both Dennis Allen and Michael Desermo, as well as your calls on the hotline, 706-0111. And as a reminder, here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. I got to tell you before we go, though, 
about another two-for-one deal from AcadianaDeals.com. Today, score a $40 voucher to Dickie's Barbecue Pit for just $20. That's a $40 deal for half the price. Go to AcadianaDeals.com to get you that $40 voucher to Dickie's Barbecue Pit. One on Ambassador Caffrey and Kali Saloon in the Costco Shopping Center. One here in Karen Crow. Great barbecue. Score a $40 gift certificate for only $20 to Dickie's Barbecue Pit. First 90 minutes of crunch time has come and gone. We have one more hour on this Wednesday edition, so don't go anywhere. We'll do it on the other side of this top of the hour sports update right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, and it is your home for those LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of Crunch Time right here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh here on a Wednesday afternoon. Let's go to the hotline now. Preston Guy of TigerBait.com joining us to discuss everything LSU. Preston, what's going on, my man? Hey, man, what's going on? Had a great weekend at uh, Tiger Stadium with the two Baton Rouge squads squaring off. Yeah, you know, it it was a good game for, for the city. It was a great competition of the bands, if you will. But the competition on the field, well, yeah, <laughs> it, it was about what you expected. Well, probably a little worse than you would have expected. I don't think I've seen a team just that overmatched. Um, there is something to be said for beating, uh, you know, an inferior opponent like you should. There is something to be said for that, but it's tough to really get the evaluation off of LSU. It, it, it is easy to see, though, that LSU has settled on their quarterback, and that quarterback is Jaden Daniels. Yeah, you know, LSU's offense put on a clinic against an inferior an, an an inferior opponent. You know, look looking back on it now, how much, you know, do you put into that? Well, I put that, you know, you're checking the box and doing what you should do. And you could see as soon as Garrett Nussmeyer got in the game, the offense was unable to do that against the same competition. So uh, I always think back to games like against McNeese State a couple times, LSU struggled. Those quarterbacks, Max Johnson and Jordan Jefferson, and those were offenses that, you know, they didn't look smooth and fresh against McNeese. Well, guess what? Those offenses also struggled against, you know, the likes of better, bigger SEC folks. So it's one of those deals where you, uh, (coughs) excuse me, um, where you just, you're looking not to upset people. You know, it, it, you you can't really pass this test, but you can certainly fail it. Well, Jaden Daniels and the starters passed it with flying colors. It was forty-four nothing a minute into the second quarter. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a, a dominating performance like that. Yeah, you know, I was just about to hit on that. Jaden Daniels looked absolutely fantastic, and then you also touched on on Garrett Nussmeyer, who really you know looked off when he got into the game. Yeah. So if there if there still was a quarterback controversy, it's safe to say that there isn't any more. 
while there might be a controversy for the backup position, but Jaden Daniels is certainly your starter for now. Um, he, he's playing very well. I mean, he, he had uh, pretty much a, a perfect game. I mean, he, he was 10 of 11. You know, he had you know connected on three touchdowns this season. He's got five touchdowns, zero interceptions, and he's completing 78.3% of his passes. So, I mean, you can't really ask for too much more. I mean, I guess against Florida State, he, it would have been better to have a faster start but, I mean, he scored touchdowns on eight of his last eight drives. You can't be much better than that. Yeah, no, no question about it. Looking at the receivers from Saturday night, they looked better against than against Florida State. Malik Neighbors, three catches for 81 yards and a touchdown. Again, you know, it being an inferior opponent, how much do you look at their performance and go, man, they took a giant step forward? Yeah, I mean, they looked – the thing is against – Florida State, it was a lot of self-implosions. You know what I mean? Like, there was no coverage that forced uh, Keyshawn Butte to drop that second touchdown. Now, the first one was on coverage, but, um, you know, they they did, they certainly cleaned up the self-inflicted wounds, uh, and that's the kind of progress you want to see in games like this. Uh, but you can't really get. I mean, that team was so undermanned. Uh, it, it's hard to really gauge. You had open receivers flying all over. I wouldn't invest too much stock in that. Um, you know, and, and units that were struggling, such as the offensive line. Um, you know, until further notice, we have to assume that they're still struggling. Yeah, you know that was that was going to be my next question. The offensive line w- was reshuffled a little bit on Saturday. How do you see that group? going forward could you see brian kelly continuing to to shuffle that group around yeah yeah i i would say they're probably going to stick with at least four of the five guys moving forward um i think they like will campbell at left um they like dellinger there at left guard um i think charles turner is going to hold on to that center spot for a while uh dellinger was the center week one but he had a messed up snap which cost the team you know cost them four points right there at the goal line but he graded out as their best blocker so i guess they said well (laughs) we don't want to take him off the field but let's just put him in a position he's more natural at and we'll just take our licks with charles turner he's probably not as good of a blocker but he's a natural center um anthony bradford's at your uh right guard there that's the one um, that's the one where I'm keeping an eye out. Does Emory Jones, the freshman out of Catholic High, does he push for that? Because he looked nasty against Southern. And both Tremont Shorts and Anthony Bradford had their struggles against Southern. I think it was one struggle each. But wasn't anything too alarming. But at the same time, I mean, Emory Jones is sitting there, and that's a good football player. And then you're looking at Cam Wire at right tackle. I, I, think, I think the one spot is that right guard spot. Just keep an eye on Emory Jones. I'm not saying it happens right now, but uh, he's he's too good to ignore. Yeah, no no question about it. He he's definitely a talent. The freshman from Catholic in Baton Rouge, you know, talking about the offense, 44 points, like you said, a minute into the the first quarter. I mean, I mean, the second quarter just scored points in bunches and bunches. What what do you think about the offense as a whole going into the SEC opener? Yeah, man. I mean, uh, so a lot of the 44 points was actually the defense setting it up. I mean, they got a safety. They got a pick six. They, I think they recovered two fumbles. Yeah, they got a fumble on kickoff and uh, a fumble, like it was like a quarterback exchange gone wrong or something like that. So a lot of those points were the, uh, the, the defense and special teams setting them up. At the same time, 
there, there's literally nothing you can critique about the offense until Jaden Daniels and the receivers, you know, sat down. Um, down the stretch, like I said, a couple plays, the offensive line mixed up on. Uh, the backup quarterback um, kind of raised some eyebrows for concerns with his decision-making. Brian Kelly chopped that up to us talking about his eight drives where he'd score touchdowns. But I think I saw probably the ugliest uh, pick sick I've ever seen for an LSU player where he just – rolled out, threw it underhanded directly to the Southern player. Yeah, that, that 94-yard pick six was, was, yeah. was not great at, at all. Uh, chatting with Preston Guy here of TigerBait.com. Looking ahead to Mississippi State, Will Rogers has just been phenomenal through, through their first two yeah. games in Mike Leach's offense. You know, what are your On paper, what are your thoughts on this opener? Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. I have Mississippi State a lot higher than a lot of people have. A lot of people are overlooking them or ignoring them. This is a team that brings back 16 starters. Oh, and by the way, college football's all-time leading career pass completion percentage leader. Uh, so one of the most accurate passers of all time. Not not me. Like that's not my opinion. Just just by the facts. Like he's completed. Uh, an unreal amount of his passes. I and mean, a lot of that's by design because they're running this offense where it's very high completion percentage passes that, you know, Mike Leach's system, he likes balance by way of all five skill position players are getting touches equally. Um, so he's going to do a lot of quick and easy throws. And with that, you're going to get your numbers. Uh, and it's all about putting him out of his comfort zone. Can LSU do it? Uh, Arizona wasn't able to. We talked about Jaden Daniels' perfect game. Uh, last week, Will Rogers had darn near a perfect game with 50 passes. Uh, he did throw an interception, but and that wasn't on him. He, he hit number four right in the bread basket for State. Um, uh, so uh, he, he's a very good quarterback. Um, they bring back eight starters on defense, eight starters on offense. That defensive line got after Delara, the quarterback for Arizona, and he did not handle it very well. Like I said about LSU's offensive line, until further notice, that's not a strong unit. Because all we've seen is them struggle, and struggle mightily. So my assumption is that Mississippi State's D-line is going to get after uh, Jaden Daniels quite a bit, quite I mean, quickly, too. And those DBs, they, they force a lot of interceptions. They are ball hawks. Can Jaden Daniels handle the rush, roll out of the pocket, Incomplete passes downfield accurately. That's going to be the key to scoring points on the state defense because they will. Again, my assumption is that the offensive line hasn't magically improved that much, but sometimes that happens. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that game plays out. Going back to the Will Rogers thing, again, you talked about it all time leader in completion percentage. He's got only nine, he's got nine touchdowns to two interceptions so far through two games. How can the Tigers slow him down defensively? It's about getting him out of his comfort zone, and it's tough because he doesn't have this big, strong bolstering arm. He really doesn't. He's not like a you know Joe Flacco, Jamarcus Russell type arm strength guy. He's very accurate, but he's taking a lot of safe and easy throws. If you can take those away with some press coverage and some tricky zone plays, like maybe like a fake blitz into a zone, right? You know, take those slants, take those bubble screens. You know, they like to run trips. 
Okay, so when you get trips, you get your three receivers. They like to do the guy, you know, the, the one who has to go off the line. They like to run him behind the other two receivers. Um, you got to take those stuff away with some aggressive coverages. The problem with that is that opens up downfield passing. Well, that's kind of where you want Will Rogers at, is, is out of his comfort zone. And, and subsequently, uh, they get rid of the ball so quickly. I think the, the front seven – I don't think you're necessarily going for sacks on him, but can you get those long arms up in the air? Uh, I, I think about Mason Smith, what his impact would be on this game with those freak of nature limbs, and it's it's kind of disheartening uh, to to know he's out for the season now because this is a game where he would be eating it up. Um, however, you do get B.J. Ojolari and you do get Ali Gay back, and those are both tall, long, edge-rushing guys. They'll be tremendously impactful because if those guys play the way they should, you shouldn't be able to throw a slant against them because their arms are going to be in the air, block batting and down. Uh, that right there takes out a huge repertoire of the offense. So that that's, that's kind of what I think uh, is the key to the game. It's much easier said than done. As Brian Kelly said, uh, <laughs> they run it better than you can prepare for it in three days. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Two more for you here, Preston. Mike Leach now going into year three. He's had two years to develop his air raid system at Mississippi State with a quarterback like Will Rogers. How good can the Bulldogs be with Leach's system? Yeah, I, I, you know Leach is a, a weird coach in general. Man, he's an oddball. He'll win eleven games one year, and next year, you know, six or seven games. Uh, I, you know, there's just he's not huge on recruiting. He's just an oddball coach. Um, I think this is a year I consider them just right up there with like Arkansas, Tennessee. I think they're better than Ole Miss. Um, I think they're better than A and M. I think a lot of teams are better than A and M right now. Um, but I, I think we're talking about a nine and three, maybe eight and four Mississippi State team this year. I think they're they're going to be pretty good. Um, Mississippi State's a hard place to break into that you know, 11-win range uh, or to even 10-win range. I, I don't necessarily see him ever being a consistent 10-2, and 11-1 type coach there. But I, I could see him, you know, floating in that 7-9 win range. That, that's kind of what I anticipate with them. And then lastly, you know, you just talked about A&M. A&M falling to App State over, over the weekend <laughs> in College Station. Give me your thoughts on that. Uh, that's pretty funny, isn't it? I mean, how many number one recruiting classes does it take to beat a group of five team? Uh, oh, man. And I, I think I saw that they've actually only beaten in their history something like four power five teams. And, and of course, you know, we all know about Michigan being one of them and Texas A&M basically the other half. Um, yeah, and then North Carolina, but, uh, South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. So... It's uh yeah it's it's uh pretty embarrassing for him. I don't know what's going on with Jimbo and his inability. I can't imagine Max Johnson's worse than Haynes King. Um, we'll see. It's funny. Uh, Vegas Vegas is taking the Nick Saban approach here. With uh they they've got them favored over the Hurricanes. <laughs> but you know, Coach Saban famously says all the time, you know, when a team loses an embarrassing game. Uh, they don't. They don't want to just. Everybody says, "Oh, they suck." Great, free win. But in the reality, they're still a good football team, and they're fighting for pride now. So I guess that's the angle they're going with. Miami looks sloppy against Southern Miss, but oh man, uh, Texas A&M looks like a wreck right now, man. 
Yeah, that that definitely wasn't uh was wasn't their best moment for sure. Preston Guy of Tigerbait.com joining us here on this Wednesday afternoon. Preston, appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy the game Saturday and uh, we'll talk again soon, my friend. All right, appreciate you, Matt. See you soon. And there he goes, Preston Guy of Tigerbait.com. Talking about Jimbo Fisher, uh one one thing that I found pretty funny is so last week we talked about Ed Ogeron speaking at the Little Rock Touchdown Club. Well, this week, Paul Feinbaum was there. And they were, for some way, somehow, it got on the conversation of Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. And Paul Feinbaum said, look, I'm not here to make fun of, of Jimbo. And he paused for a moment. And then he says, his record does that for him. And, oh, man. Paul Feinbaum's throwing shots, and I'm not gonna lie, I'm kind of here for it. I am, I am kind of here for it. Make sure to join RP3 in the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles this Friday from noon to one at the Cigar Merchant on 10 at 1001 Coolidge Road in the Oil Center. Register to win to spin the wheel for a chance to score a pair of Raging Cajun football tickets and a pair of LSU Tiger football tickets. Make sure that this Friday you swing by the Cigar Merchant in the Oil Center to see RP3 and swing the prize wheel so you can score free tickets to see either the Cajuns or LSU football games. We'll take a timeout when we return. We've got audio from Dennis Allen and Michael Desermo before we get you set for Brendan Ertle and Who Dat Wednesday. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We're back on Crunch Time here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 22 minutes after the hour. Michael Desermo met with the media earlier this week following the Cajuns' win over Eastern Michigan as they prepare for the Owls of Rice. And here was the head coach's opening statement. You know, I mean, you kind of go back, you get to watch the tape, and and get to review some things, and I think, you know, it's a lot like what we felt in the game. You know, the first half was just, uh, you know, kind of just a little bit off here and there. It was just kind of one of those deals, man. It was like it was just kind of snowballing a little bit. I mean, you know, we had we had we even had two drops, you know, where, where the sun was in our eyes. You know, I think we have sun for about 10 minutes, you know, when we have a 6 o'clock kickoff, and it was just kind of that type of half. And um, there's value in playing those types of games. And, and there's certainly value in, in finding a way to come out and, and play well in the second half and win. You know, again, just really proud of our kids for, you know, they just, man, they stick together and they play and they just kind of believe in what we're doing. They believe in each other. And, um, you know, that takes you a long way. I think our defense has been really stout, particularly whenever we needed them. They've kept us in games, and that's what we've done here for a long time. Special teams is no different. You know, really good execution and, and game changers for us. Um, you know, again, punt return game was big. Kickoff coverage, you know, we got guys flying down the field and playing. And I believe effort takes care of a lot of things. You know, it, it you know, you're not going to execute perfect all the time. You know, the other team, they're going to get coached. They've got good players. They're going to make plays. And, you know, they're going to do things that give you problems. And I think, you know, you just got to keep plugging away in the cumulative effect of playing physical, continuing to run the ball, continuing to hit people on defense and, and put pressure on the quarterback. Those things end up you know, leading to good things in the end. Michael Desmo also talked about the game against Eastern Michigan and how the Cajuns really started out flat in, in the first half. But again, like we talked about with Jay Walker earlier, that lightning delay 
might have been a blessing in disguise. Here's head coach Michael Desermo on the difference between the first half execution and the second half. Yeah, you know, I think in the run game, I think uh, the issues came from, you know, and probably, you know, we hammered it home maybe a little too hard. Um, I felt really strongly that their front, particularly their interior on their D-line, was really stout. And we talked about having to fire off the ball and get movement on the double teams before we came off to the backers. And I think we we were maybe a little little over overzealous on that. You know, we came off the ball, we were running off the ball, but a little bit out of control, and we didn't get to the backers on their fits. You know, we were the double teams were getting movement, but we're out of control and not getting to the second level. And the backs, you know, we pressed all week, talked about being decisive and making the decisions, and I think they were a little impatient on a couple of them. You know, at quarterback. You know, I felt like we could have taken some more of the easy ones early, some of those easy throws, and, and we didn't. And that would have taken a little bit of pressure off of the O-line and running backs. And I think, uh, you know, for us, you know, like I said, I mean, you know, we had a couple drops early that really on the far sideline where we're headed towards the tunnel that were kind of right in the sun that, you know, very uncharacteristic of us. And so it was just some of those things that, you know, just kind of happened a little bit. But uh, in the second half, you know, I mean, we didn't change the run plays we were doing. We didn't change the way we were packaging it. We just uh, we executed a little bit better and uh, you know, certainly started pushing the ball down the field, and that, that helped as well. Looking ahead to this weekend against the Owls of Rice, Michael Desermo spoke about what the biggest challenge is going to be playing the Owls as they're fresh off of their big win over McNeese. They're the most multiple on offense and defense that we've played. You know, they're really, really well coached. Those guys have a good scheme, and their players understand it. You can tell that. On offense, you know, they're more gap-oriented than they are zone-oriented, and that's a little bit different. You know, when a team plays with a true fullback at times, that's that's really unique in today's game. You know, you don't see it a whole lot. Defensively, they've kind of changed their deal a little bit. They're pressuring a whole lot more. They're doing some of those things. So we got to be really sound and be prepared to handle the movement, be prepared to handle the pressures. And then, you know, I think on Game Changers, they play really hard, very solid scheme and good specialist play, which that's a recipe for success in special teams, you know. So we've got to play faster. You know, we've got to execute at a very high level. Our specialists have to play with a lot of detail and play really effectively for us to go out there and have success in that phase as well. So, I mean, they're a well-coached team. They're the best team we're, we have played so far, you know, three weeks into the season. So, you know, for us, we got to execute and communicate at a high level and make sure that we, you know, find a little more consistency. It's kind of, you know, just kind of been the thing a little bit. Shifting gears to the Saints, before I bring in Dennis Allen's audio from earlier this week, James, give me your thoughts. I, I haven't gotten to ask you this yet. Give me your thoughts on the Saints win over Atlanta on Sunday. Uh, they play like doo-doo the first half. The only thing you could really harp on was Taysom Hill doing Taysom Hill things at certain moments. Uh, the the offensive line, they just really struggled. They had talked about it in the game plan. They anticipated somebody else maybe blitzing and them and him bringing pressure, but ultimately he played more coverage, so it confused the offensive line. But I was glad they were able to figure out in the fourth quarter. And they were old, it felt like you actually let Jameis do what he needed to do because – initially with the game plan it felt like it was a little too conservative it was kind of like you were kind of putting him in the box and you had him in handcuffs like he he can't do what he wants to do but when it came to the fourth quarter it was like hey go lose dude and and they and they they started actually make plays which was like it was kind of the same thing with the LSU game in the fourth quarter against Florida State it was like once you just let your quarterback do what they need to do and it feels like you don't hold them back it's almost like 
Russ in Seattle where it's like, why are you letting him go until it's almost too late? Right. Like, let and, him and do that thing earlier. And that's a conversation for another day. Why did Denver waste 30 seconds? Oh, dude. Before they calling were, a timeout? They were terrible Monday night. I don't I don't understand. Russ Russ looks scared. The Nathaniel Hackett, he they they weren't making play calls and they weren't getting into the huddle there till there was 20 seconds left. It's like, dude, get to the line. You, you need the plays out you, faster. Did you see the video of Peyton Manning calling timeout 62 times? Before Russ called one, yeah, I mean, I was I was watching the Manning cast. I was Peyton's Peyton's in there. Timeout. Yeah, no, timeout. Time you, you, out. You need to call a timeout. Call a time. I would call a timeout here. Right. They weren't. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, uh, yeah, that was that was intriguing. But uh, Dennis Allen spent some time talking about the performance of Jarvis Landry, seven catches and 114 yards. Yeah, look, I thought Jarvis played well. You know, he was involved in the quarterback, you know, crack toss there that that Taysom scored the. The touchdown on, I thought it was blocked really well. Jarvis was right at the point of attack on that on that particular play. That's probably something that not many people talk about. You know, he made a nice catch on the on the seam ball in in in, uh, uh, in the two minute when they they pressured us a little bit and made a nice catch and run. And, and then obviously the play there at the end of the game on the boundary was a was a hell of a play and going up there and high pointing the ball. So, you know, I thought he I thought you know. First game in a real live game in Saints uniform, I thought thought it was pretty good. And then Dennis Allen also spent some time talking about flipping the script and preparing for their home opener this Sunday against Tampa Bay. Well, look, we're, we're going to look at how they've tried to attack us. Played them with with Brady at quarterback. We played them five times, and so we're certainly going to look at how they've tried to formation us how they tried to attack us, how they called the game. But, look, every year's different, every game's different. You know, we got a hell of a challenge in front of us, and uh, we respect the hell out of the team that we're about to play, and and we're going to have to play much better than we did this this week if we expect to win. i got to tell you about one of the best sports books on the market, and it's going to become your favorite sports book. BetUS.com back for their 28th year of NFL action with the industry's biggest sign-up bonus of up to 200%. BetUS offers their members the opportunity to cash in on all your favorite leagues, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, and more. We've also hundreds of new casino games, including the coolest European slots, and they have live dealers waiting for you at the table. You need a sports book with integrity. You need a sports book with longevity. You need to know that you're going to get paid. You simply need a sports book that offers everything from live betting to MMA, golf, horses, esports, and all kinds of crazy bets. Call today at 1 800 79 Bet US. That's 1 800 79 Bet US, and they'll walk you through setting up an account. Nobody in the industry gives better bonuses than Bet US. Join now and mention KLWB to get up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit. Head to BetUS.com and join today. That's BetUS, where the games begin. Take a time out. When we return, Brendan Ertle joins us for Who Dat Wednesday. Right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. He's going to go. Touchdown, Saints. Who's ready for some New Orleans Saints talk? We are. Here is Good at Wednesdays with Canal Street Chronicles' Brendan Ertle on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. 
my guy. What's going on, dude? What's going on, guys? Uh, Matt, congratulations on the ring. Appreciate you, my man. So let's mm-hmm. let's look at you know we'll, we'll we'll start in reverse order. We'll look ahead to this week and then we'll backtrack a little bit to last week. Uh, injury report came out today, and almost everybody's on it. Yeah, who it's a, it's a roster report. It's not an injury report. I mean, I, I saw our injury report and I was like, mm, that's that's not good. It's not definitely not what you want to see going into you know a game against a divisional opponent that's very good. Um, but then you look at theirs and it's like, damn, I didn't think it could get much worse than us, and it really does for them. And I think you know most of these guys will end up playing. Uh, it's not it's not necessarily just a thing that happens with the Saints, but it's these are veterans that have been here, done that. They week one of the NFL, you know, they're not used to all this banging and hitting and stuff. So, you know, the the big ones were Chris Godwin, obviously he didn't practice. I uh, don't think we'll see him on Sunday. Leonard Fournette was limited. Julio Jones didn't practice. Uh, Donovan Smith with that Hybrix in the elbow, he did not practice. Tristan Works was limited. Tom Brady took the day off, of course, and you know, Chris Evans had that calf injury. So, and that's a lengthy list, and if those guys play or not, I mean, I don't think it really matters. I think it more matters, you know, who does play. So, it, I mean, tough list for each team. You know, Latavius Murray came back and, and was signed to the practice squad the other day. What does that tell you maybe to the injury of Alvin Kamara? I was worried about Kamara, and I think I've heard more concern towards Dwayne Washington than – Kamara or Ingram, they're both limited today, and it didn't sound like either were anything to worry about. Uh, didn't they both practice? You know, at a limited basis, obviously. But Dwayne Washington hasn't practiced; he hasn't practiced for a while. And I don't know if you bring Latavius to replace a guy like Dwayne Washington because he doesn't do a lot. Uh, he doesn't do a lot of what Dwayne Washington does with his special teams. But that just ensures you know the running back depth if Ingram or Kamara. You know, if their injuries were to get worse or they couldn't go on Sunday, you have a veteran in Latavius Murray who can take some carries, familiar with the offense and things like that. So I don't think it's a huge concern. I think it's more just adding depth at the at the at the position they need. And you know, Tony Jones is a good spot for uh, special teams help. So I I'm not overly concerned about either, but you know, you never really know. Looking at the spread so far, they have the Buccaneers as three-point away favorites. Do you think that's fair? Uh, well, you know, even if we had a better team than them, and I think, you know, in some aspects we do, I think they would choose the Bucs just because, you know, how we looked last week and the fact that they have Tom Brady and we don't. So that's a huge decipher, I think. And, I mean, at, at this given point, I'm sure most analysts will take the Bucks and, I haven't decided who I'm really going to go with, and it's it really is a weird matchup. And I think both teams would wish this game came a little bit later because, you know, no matter if we win this game, if we dominate or they win it or they dominate, I mean, I don't think it says a lot about the division at all because it's week two. I mean, both these teams clearly haven't got their feet under them. Uh, we didn't look great in the first, you know, three quarters, and the Bucks were really good twenty to twenty. But once they hit the red zone, it was like they just stalled immediately so i mean each each team has a ton to work on tom brady has a ton of new you know personnel in his offense and you know so do we kind of uh at least some that james winston is familiar with so it's going to take some time and i think you know these teams in, in the second matchup it'll be a lot more important 
uh, for the division, and it'll really say who's you know going to take the division at that point. But you know, I, I think a three-point favorite for Tampa Bay is, is fair. I mean, I don't know if I agree with it necessarily, just because we're on we're home. But you know, it is what it is, and I, I think that it could be a pretty close game. Now, taking a look at fantasy real quick, we had talked about this a few weeks ago. Whenever you made that trade in the Canal Street Chronicles league, mm-hmm. it's not it's not looking any better after that Elijah Mitchell injury. Yeah, I mean, uh, Matt, thanks for taking you know Elijah Mitchell off my hands, and you know I'm sorry that he dealt with the injury that he did in Week One, and uh, I, I I'm more so upset that the Chicago Bears just continue to have an awful turf. And for some reason that they thought it was a good idea to play a football game on a flipping side. So I, it really sucks that he got injured the way he did. Uh, I don't know how long he's going to be out, but you know, that's Chicago. About two months. needs to figure out something. Yeah, them and Arizona had some, some turf issues, uh, according to the Chiefs. Um, Andy Reid said post-game that they had just recently resodded the, the turf in Arizona and a couple of the pieces mm-hmm. were loose. And that's what led to the Harrison Butker injury, as well as the the nicked up leg for Patrick Mahomes. I think Justin Reed's kind of the coolest story in the NFL right now. That the fact that a kicker went down, and you know your strong safety comes out and kicks PATs, and uh, is doing the kickoff as well, and doesn't miss a beat. I mean, I mean that's that's pretty that's pretty elite. Yeah, that, that was that was definitely impressive. Chat with Brendan Ertle here on Hoodat Wednesdays. Let's go back to this game against Atlanta, the the twenty seven to twenty six victory that the Saints needed to score seventeen points in the fourth quarter to to get it done. What were your thoughts on the game from Sunday? Uh, definitely not what I expected. Definitely not you know what we wanted to see week one. And I, I talked about all week before that you know the the offensive line of Atlanta was going to be where we could kind of take advantage of because they don't have, you know, the star, the star power that, that we do in the defensive line. But, you know, they, they kicked us in the mouth. And, you know, blood, sweat, and tears with, with actual of all those three, besides tears, I think. But, uh, yeah, we got pushed around. I mean, for three quarters of that game, and, you know, you could say some of the fourth quarter as well, that they got the better of us. We couldn't stop the RPO. We couldn't stop read option. Uh, we couldn't stop the bootleg. We couldn't really stop anything. And, you know, that's kind of the problem with a guy like Marcus Mariota. I didn't think he was going to be as big of a problem as he was. Uh, I, I mean, Jalen Hurts has been the guy that just always finds a way to destroy us. And I think that, you know, they went back and watched the tape and uh, saw where the, saw what they needed to see. And now moving forward, I mean, we play Philly and Atlanta again. So something has to be figured out there. And I don't know why we can't stop the RPO. But, you know, late in that fourth quarter, found a way to slow it down at least found a way to contain Mariota and Patterson in the backfield. And, you know, I, I don't I don't necessarily blame the Saints for the way they started. You know, Jameis was out from a training camp. MT was out for training camp. Jameis didn't have any of these receivers last year. Uh, I mean, Juwan Johnson stepped up big time. But it was like during the game they panned to Jameis on the sideline and you saw an assistant coach trying to hand him a tablet to watch the film after he got uh, sacked, I think, on third and long. And, He's like, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. And that just kind of showed me that, you know, they knew, they knew what they needed to do. They just couldn't figure out, you know, you know what the Atlanta Falcons were doing. It sounded like that they did the complete opposite that they thought and game plan for. And, it's you know, that could be concerning, but it also could be like, you know, this is a completely new roster head to toe. 
you know, with a with a coach that's you know, desperate to win games. So, I mean, shout out to them and uh, for coming out with a good game plan. But you know, the better team won, and we found more plays to win the game than they did. The Saints always struggle against a rushing quarterback. Why do you think that is? It see, I was trying to figure that out earlier, and it's like we have the linebackers, we have the defensive line. It's just one of those things in the National Football League where if you have an athlete at that quarterback position, it's, it is so much harder to stop, kind of like it's harder to stop Taysom Hill on those powers, even though they know exactly what gap he's going to run into. You have a hat for a hat to block on those run plays. You know, it's not like you just a quarterback's handing it off and he's out of the play. I mean, every single person in that play is making an impact on the run. So it, with a guy like Mario, you have to first worry about, you know, Cordell Patterson, who's a 240-pound freak athlete. That's a big thing. I think he could be – I think he's one of the most underrated players in the NFL. I think if he was on a good team earlier in his career that he could be, you know, kind of like an Alvin Kamara kind of impact guy. And I think at this point he is with the impact he had against us. But then, you know, you also have to worry about Mariota scrambling. Then you have Kyle Pitts and Drake London uh, when, they, when they do roll out. But it, it felt like when we were able to contain, you know, Mariota keep in the pocket, it felt like we – you know, that was our strong suit. And I didn't really see a lot of pocket passing that was successful for them. And when they threw to Marshawn's side, you know, one catch, six yards. So I think when you get a deal back out there and not seeing him really in practice is a little bit concerning. But, you know, with Tom Brady, I don't think you're going to have that same issue. I mean, you're not going to have that same issue. Um, but, you know, you also have different issues with Tom Brady where he's going to find a matchup on the field that he likes. Uh, and that's something that Marietta won't probably do. So, you know, might be looking at a bigger dose of who's going to play in the slot this week and the impact that they're going to make. I think the reason why the Saints struggle with quarterbacks that are a little more athletic, kind of like the Jalen Hurts and the Marcus Mariota of the world, is because their usual archetype for, like, edge rushers or, like, defensive ends and defensive tackles is more of, like, the bigger guys. Like, that's why Cam Jordan is the shortest, and he's six four. Mm-hmm. And they're a little heavy, and they're more power rushers, and they're taller, so they're looking to bat the ball. So they're obviously going to be a little slower. Whereas when it comes to like kind of like the Pittsburgh defense, where they have smaller edge rushers that are a little bit quicker, they're able to catch up to those type of quarterbacks. I think that's why the Saints struggle so much. Yeah, I think that's a great point. We don't really have you know like a defensive end, like you said, like a you know a Brian Burns or Montez Sweat that has like more lateral quickness. And uh, I think that was why it was super important to get Pete Warner out there this week because he is one of those guys that, you know, sideline to sideline. And uh, so I want to bring up Quan Alexander again. He, I mean, last time we played the Eagles, he had, a, he had a previous game, but he's one of those impact guys that, you know, can stop a team like that. But, yeah, it's just not a favorable matchup against us. And, and I hope that at some point we can figure it out, whether it's a QB spy or something like that. But it's just it's one of those things where the Saints like those deep, big, big defensive linemen. So, little little easier to get around him, I guess. The message in all of this, Brendan, from week one is that the Falcons are, are, are gonna Falcon. Yes. I mean I, I they they blew <laughs> another massive lead for what, the hundredth time? I mean they asked for it. They were they were twirling their umbrellas inside, which is already bad luck. Uh they were making fun of our umbrellas they had a big flag said we that. I don't know how we came out so flat because we just can't stand these guys. 
I, I just I, I don't get it. And I think Saints fans are, are magnificent. They took over Atlanta. They they let them know what they did. You know, I just saw videos of them taking over like a Walmart today in Atlanta, and they took over you know like the stadium after, and they were at dinner places dancing on the tables and things like that. So I don't think you know that's that's not a way that we're going to want to win every game. But winning it against Atlanta like that is a little bit more sweet, just because you know we let them know that you know you guys blew a lead and we're the reason you did it. What do you think of October 26th being a new holiday? What's a new holiday? Well, it's 1026. 1026. Because that was the score in the in the fourth quarter. Oh, come uh, on, Brendan. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, that that's going to be one of those things where you go down. It's like, uh, the it's like March 28th. You're going to see a big flag of the 1026 scoreboard. Exactly. It's going to be like March 28th all over again. Yeah, I, oh, that I like one's, it. I like it. That one's still going to stay around. We're just going to add October 26th. We're just going to have multiple flex. Yeah. Well, hopefully next game we don't have to worry about that. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully not at all. Hopefully it's more of a, I don't know, like a, a 24-0 game. Or it's like the office doesn't go crazy, but you pitch another shutout. So it's like, who cares? As long as Patterson doesn't go for, what, a buck fifty against us, I don't care. Right. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles. B, before you run, tell uh, tell our listeners what's coming up on the on the uh, Canal Street Chronicles podcast. You know, we, we got we got the squad up in there. We got Chris and Nate and I, and uh, just wrapped up a podcast. So, gonna get that up right when I get off this phone call. So, you guys can tune into that uh, our breakdown or our preview of this week's game, and you know, looking back on the Falcons a little bit and enjoying that weekend. You know. Uh, we've been discussing the Trust Levels podcast as well with Cam and uh, Mark Ingram. They always provide some, some good knowledge as well. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're doing good things over there, so check us out. Brendan, appreciate you taking the time each and every week, man. We'll do it again next Wednesday. Yes, sir. See you guys. Tune in next week for another edition of Hood at Wednesdays here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Crunch time here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. One final look at the poll question. I'm back. And are you happy about it? So far, 23% of you say, heck yeah. 30% of you say, eh. 46.2% say, you're back already? Hey, look, here's here's the thing. If y'all want me to go back to the beach for a couple more days, I, I don't know that I'd be opposed. I like my job. I like doing my radio show. I don't like James. Um, So, I mean, yeah, if I could go back to the beach for a couple days, sure, why not? I wouldn't. I don't know that I'd be against it. If I'm not missed, I mean, God, what, what am I doing? I had to make up for all the time that you missed. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You back already. Forty six percent of people are thinking that. That's horrible. <laughs> you're the one who came up with that option, didn't you? Or no, you came up with meh. Yeah. Yeah, you came up with meh. Yeah. You you signed off like, on the. It's like, you, eh, indifferent. You signed off on the other one though. Whatever. I didn't think many people would pick that one. <laughs> I guess that's what I get for thinking.
Shout out to Jay Walker joining us for Cajun's Corner, Preston Guy of TigerBait.com, and Brendan Ertle for Who Dat Wednesdays. For James Mesh, thanks to the callers who chimed in on the show today. I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same station. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The McNeese Coaches Show is next.